What's up, competitors? Brand new week, brand new episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast, and we welcome to the show Colin Beto as he and I talk about how to use the rebound from your life's lowest moments to help and inspire others. What's up, competitors? Jake Thompson here, Chief Encouragement Officer of Compete Every Day, and your host each and every week for the Compete Every Day Podcast. I'm excited that you have invested time to hang out with us today in a time when the world has spent less time listening to podcasts as most people's commutes have been changed or taken away altogether. You are carving out time in your day to get better, to listen to conversations that I have with leaders, with sports psychologists, coaches, people that are out competing every day, and more importantly, they're taking what they've learned and they're sharing it with you. So that each and every week you can apply just one thing to your journey. One little thing. All you need is that one little thing to start moving you in the right direction. It's not going to change your life overnight, but it's going to change your trajectory over time if you start applying it. So one thing I love about this show and and love honestly about the conversations I get to have with people. Each and every week I'm learning something new. Some little tweak, subtle 1% change I can incorporate into my life. The reason most of us fail coming out of the gates in January, talking New Year's resolutions, big goals, big pursuits, is we try to do too much too fast. We try to change everything all at once instead of making just small, subtle tweaks. And so my goal for you here each and every week on the show is that you get one small, subtle tweak that can hopefully help tweak your trajectory in a more positive direction and more upward growth. And over time, you'll continue to build that time and time again to get to where you want to go, to become the person you want to be. Today's conversation is special to me because it really hits home with one of the original slogans of Compete Every Day, the idea that life is worth competing for. It's one of the most important messages to me. It's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about my work is because I believe that through my absolute body, that life, your life specifically, is worth competing for. You only get one opportunity in life. You only get one shot here, one life. Why wouldn't you pursue your best to make it count? Why wouldn't you give everything you have every single day to make the most of it? Why would you want to be a victim to life? Why would you want to settle for all of these things that that just happen to you instead of going out and proactively attacking life, getting the things you want? Why would you wait until the end of your life and look back and realize, man, If I just competed. See, the beauty of competition, as I've shared time and time again, is that we're not guaranteed to win. You're not guaranteed to get every single goal you want in life. But I can assure you this, that if you don't compete, you won't get anything. You will not get any opportunities. You will not get any growth. You will not experience fulfillment if you sit and let things happen to you. But the person that competes... They go all out. They step on the field of life each and every day. They put themselves out there. The beauty of that is they know they're not going to win every single time, but they're going to do one of two things. They're going to win or they're going to learn what it takes to win and they're going to get better and they're going to get to the end of their life and they're going to be able to sit on their deathbed and know I gave everything I had in the pursuit of everything I wanted and everyone I loved. There are no what ifs. There are no regrets. There are no looking back, wishing I'd done better, wishing I'd given more because they know they competed every single day. That's what this is about. 
It's about understanding the just sanctity of life, how special it is, how it can be taken away at any single moment and then pursuing it with everything you've got. I'm so passionate about that because I know so many people here, so many people listening, so many people that we interact with on a daily basis struggle. They struggle with depression. They struggle with mental health issues. They feel like they've gotten just to the end of the rope and there's nothing left. And I just want to scream in their ear that you still have life. You still have breath in your lungs. Please, God, keep fighting. Keep competing. As long as there is still air in your lungs, there is still time on the clock for you to do something. And so I plead with you listening today, if that is you, just focus on winning today. Don't let the future distractions, the things outside of your control derail you. Just focus on winning today. Let tomorrow take care of itself tomorrow. Don't give up on me today. If it feels like I'm a bit fired up, it's because I am. It's because I feel like too many people are giving up and checking out on such a special opportunity they've been given on this earth. And I hope, I hope you know this. I hope you know that if I've never met you, if this is your first time tuning into the show, I am cheering for you. I have committed my life to creating content and resources to help you, to help you climb out of that hole, to help you handle the climb up the mountain. And then when you get there, to help others get up that mountain too. I want you to win because I believe your life is worth competing for. No matter what you've done up until this point, no matter what decisions you've made, the end of your story is not written yet. The final few chapters are not solid yet. So you hold the pen. What are you going to write? I hope you choose to pick up that pen and start writing about a person who chose to be a competitor who woke up every single day, said, I'm giving it everything I've got. I'm going to see what happens when I step on that field. And some days I may come out ahead and some days I won't, but I'm going to keep getting up, keep giving my best every single day because I know my life is worth it. I know my life is worth competing for. So I hope that's you. Today's a special conversation with Colin. He's an educator here in the North Texas DFW area. And he started a nonprofit a few years ago called I Am Invictus for Depression. Colin struggled mightily with mental health issues. He got to just the bottom moment. He was having suicidal ideations, but his loved ones intervened. They helped him find the assistance to get back on his feet. And now he's using that moment, that lowest point in his life, as a way to help other young people who are struggling and maybe in a similar position. He's pouring in the middle school and high school kids, helping them understand that they are not alone, that life is worth competing for. And so today we talk about holding on to hope, finding it, clinging to it, the importance of practicing gratitude, and how we can find opportunities in very unexpected places. Hope today's conversation encourages you to keep competing. That if this year has been just the hellacious year it has been for a lot of people, that you commit to making the next six months, the end of this year, so strong, so powerful, so full of growth that you don't even remember the first half because what you did in the second so overshadowed it. So I hope you get that out of today's message. I want to tip you off to a couple of quick things before we dive into the show and welcome Colin in. The first 
If you are, why am I saying if you are, you do listen, you're listening to this podcast, you're on the go. Hey, listen, if you have not picked up a copy of my book yet, Compete Every Day, I have good news for you. If you do not like to sit down, hold a book and read, well, hallelujah, it's a good day because my audiobook is now available on Audible. That's right. Amazon's audiobook partner, audible.com, now has Compete Every Day. So you can have me in your ear in more than just a podcast, but talking to you about the not-so-secret secret to winning your work in life. What are the seven choices that great competitors make and how can we apply them into our life, into our career, into our training? So I hope you'll grab a copy at audible.com of Compete Every Day, the not-so-secret secret to winning your work in life. And if you decide you want that paperback version, do not get it on Amazon. That's right. Do not get that paperback version on Amazon just yet if you are listening to this anytime before September 1st because you will have to wait till the September 1st official Amazon bookstore release date. If you don't want to wait that long, go to book.competeeveryday.com. Grab a copy through our website. We are shipping them out all week. We just added a brand new member to our team, Courtney. Shout out to Courtney. She is handling each and every one of your orders, and she has been doing an awesome job for us. So we're excited to have her here on the team. And then second of all, if you missed the email, this past Sunday was my birthday. And instead of asking for presents, I wanted to give you guys something. So we dropped a brand new collection release with some camo prints. We dropped a re-release of the old school Grind Every Day in the red, white, and blue gradient. And every order this month is getting a sticker. And most of y'all are even getting surprised with a wristband too. Actually, all of y'all have been getting surprised with a wristband. So we've set aside some Compete Everyday wristbands, some stickers for every single order shipping out this month. So grab a shirt. Grab a tank, grab a flag, and as always, use the code PODCAST to get 15% off any order. That's code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, will get you 15% off any order. So check the store. A lot of stuff just got restocked from last month's release, and July we just dropped some brand new ones, so be on the lookout for that. Now, let's talk about competing for this one and only life, why it's important, why it matters, how to find hope, and making the most of opportunities and unexpected places with my man, Colin Beto. Colin, welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Hey, happy to be here. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, man. I've been looking forward to this conversation because... Uh, it's one we have not as often as I think I would like to here on the Compete Everyday podcast, but I found your work, man, I, I think it was Twitter or Instagram. I started coming across some of your content uh, and then really seeing the work you're doing in helping young adults battle anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, like all of those things are very near and dear uh, to a lot of us because we've had friends that have struggled with it. We have family members that struggle with depression. We know people that have committed suicide. And a lot of times you just feel helpless because for some people you miss the warning signs completely. For others, uh, and I know this personally, going and dealing with friends and people that have depression, you don't know how to support them and you struggle with supporting them. Uh, And for a lot of people, they just jump out of it. So today's conversation I hope is really helpful for our listeners Uh, as we talk about the work that you're doing with I Am Invictus. But before we kind of dive into that, 
I'd love to hear kind of where the inspiration started for this, I would say, movement and nonprofit that you've created. Yeah, so I've been uh, in the realm of education now since uh, 2013, and uh, I tried my hand at, you know, the private sector. I was working for a political consulting firm that actually uh, found my way in the kitchen. I was actually a sous chef for a couple of years in San Francisco, and um, I kept kind of turning back to this idea that I wasn't doing enough uh, for the community and not really following my, my passion, you know, my dream, so to speak, and so... Um, I came to a head in 2012 when actually my own mental illness uh, almost, you know, took my life, so to speak, uh, when uh, I actually, you know, suicidal ideation and, and uh, my family finally intervened and I ended up at inpatient and uh, halfway, halfway house in Los Angeles, California. And at that point I really had to adjust and reflect on my life and what I was doing. And that's what led me to, uh, to education because I wanted to help out teenagers like myself. Not only do I have a passion just for the role that education plays within kids' lives, but also being a mentor. Uh, and then I started to think about when it actually started for me and when did I start to struggle. And my, my battle really existed when I was in high school. And I always... I, and I wasn't sure if it was because of the stigma, why I couldn't communicate with other people about it and why I kept it buried. If it was just this idea of, of what it is to be a man and how you don't, you know, you don't convey your feelings, you, you keep them buried and you, and you hide them and you overcome them. And I, I do believe there is an important aspect of that. Well, it's, well, it is important to overcome, but I do believe that you can't do it on your own and you do need to communicate with that. And so I'm Invictus ended up being created though after a student at a neighboring high school took his life in the school. And right when that happened, uh, they took all those kids from that school and they bust them over to the school where I work. Um, and those kids, you know, I'm hesitant just because I'm so emotional thinking about it. Those kids, as they entered the school were so broken and confused because I mean, they're, you know, they're 15, 14 to 18 years of age. And yet, you want to be treated like an adult at that age, but you're still trying to make sense of it. You're still viewing it through the lens of uncertainty. Um, and the fact of somebody losing their life that's, you know, within the same building, I realized, you know, there's more that I can do. There's more that I can do to help, you know, help these kids through such a trying time. And when, even when I was in high school, when I was a senior in high school, I had two friends of mine, two football teammates, uh, they were murdered brutally. And wrong place, wrong time, uh, great, great kids. And that's affected me to this very day. And, and it's because of my own experiences, uh, because of the kids I interact with on a daily basis, and the fact that, you know, teen suicide rate has been going up, you know, year in and year out that I realized I needed to do more. And that's how I'm Invictus came about. I, I'm interested to ask you a couple of questions about kind of your own journey with it. And the reason I want to ask, I want to set it up is some of the conversations we've had on this show before have been struggles with identity and where we find our self-worth. And you mentioned having teammates and, and having played sports. And I know for listeners on the show, they mentally get lost after sports ends. And, and I can say that from my own experience, because you really struggle if your identity is all about the sport and the sport is gone. And then it's just this void. How did you, was part of that kind of experience that 
I guess, raised an aware, a little more awareness in you that my identity is maybe not what I did and, and what it was, I was a part of, uh, or was, were you just kind of, I guess, mentally just swirling before you got to that breaking point, uh, that you had to go to your family for help? I think that one of the aspects, you know, that I failed to understand as a child and as a, and as an adolescent, and this is a really, really, you know, sensitive aspect of it because you're not really sure when this conversation needs to occur, but like this communication, of talking to young adults and truly expressing to them that life is going to be very, very, very difficult. And what you're talking about right now is really the metaphorical desert. You know, you think about Exodus, right? So these Israelites, they escape Egypt and everybody is assuming it's all sunshine and rainbows. And yet now they have this metaphorical desert to, to, to wander through. And that's, that's, that's what human life is. And especially as an athlete, because you're exactly right. And, and knowing that, and understanding that that's finite, that it's going to end, is it's really difficult to ascertain because you work through it 365 days a year. And for me, playing college football and and doing that for most of my life, I mean, you're 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 exactly right. I moved to France to try and redefine myself, and and it took me to read books like *Man's Search for Meaning*, uh, *The Purpose Driven Life*, uh, you know, *The Road Less Traveled*, to really be able to sit back and reflect and realize like I really don't know who I am but I it's my job and my responsibility to to start to start failing almost at trying to find my passion and more so my purpose and again thank god it was 27 years old when it finally happened but you know uh, better late than never Better late than never. And, and I love the books you referenced there. And you, you have some great uh, suggested reading on your website that I was able to look at. Uh, Victor Frankl's book's fantastic. I, I, I've referenced my book, uh, not, not the one I wrote, but actual reading Donald Miller's A Million Miles in a Thousand Years was the eye opener for me because it was about the story we tell with our lives, like our actions, our words, like it's actually part of a bigger story and, and how you live is what you tell others. And that made me evaluate a lot of things kind of around the same time uh, that you're sharing, you went through some of yours. I I'm curious because right now, even though we're recording this kind of early May, this is airing early June, Society's still not what it was four months ago, five months ago. And you, especially being in the education space, kids kind of lost their senior year. And that's dramatically different than if you lost your freshman year or your sophomore year, because as a society, we put so much emphasis on seniors and senior year and that closing chapter. And I'm curious from your standpoint, what positives you've been able to see kind of through this situation with 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 classmates and students and then where you've seen some of these students need more help from parents or community members because as we talked about at the beginning a lot of times when when people are experiencing this stuff those of us closest to us miss certain things we miss asking the questions we miss the warning signs of depression and and, and suicidal thoughts what are some good things you're seeing right now and then what are some things that you've seen that that maybe our listeners should be a little more in, in tune with or aware of? You know, I think you bring up a really good point talking about the senior aspect and whether it's college or high school, I almost feel more so for the college, my former students who are graduating college being the, the economy, the way it is. Um, but this, the common theme I continue to hear is that just enduring the stages of grief right now. And, <laughs> 
and it almost like turning back to like I'm kind of a stoic myself and trying to understand what you can can control what you can't control and trying to really personalize those conversations and so while you know just thinking about you have speaking events where you you, you have the opportunity to kind of lay out your your perception of the world and your understanding and your idea of hope to these kids. What I've found though, even more so is like trying to get these individualized conversations with these kids to help them understand um, what exactly this means, you know, and to, and to provide an, to provide a chance for them to think about like what opportunities could this provide for me at this very, very moment. And really what do I have to be grateful for right now? Um, it's really, it's really easy, no matter who you are, where you are in life to get caught up in, in what's really, what's not going right for you and, and, and to be upset with the world and, and to out. And I'm really, you know, careful when I say this to, to place blame on other things. And, and that's, and, and that can be a good excuse maker to an extent. And even right now, and the conversations that I really have been having with kids is I'm sorry, right? I, this is totally out of my control. It's out of your control and it's okay to grieve about it. But what are you grateful for right now? And what can you come out of? Like, how is this going to make you stronger in the long run? And to know that they're not alone in this battle that a lot of other people and kids are suffering too and really struggling. But at the end of the day, it's trying to, always gain perception that life could always be worse and that's some people think I'm a little bit too dramatic about that but as a history teacher I kind of have to be to give you some perspective on uh, on a level of gratitude of what you do have and that's really my conversation that I've been having with seniors and like as we speak I literally today I wrote 30 letters to seniors um, because we'll be delivering those to those kids as they uh, get ready to go off to college or bigger better things. I love that. And, and for those listening, he, he showed me they have envelopes. They actually wrote these. These are not emails going out, but, but handwritten cards being delivered. I would also think, Colin, some of the, I guess, ability, your ability to have some of these conversations is because you've been at that rock bottom spot. Like you can actually look across the table or in person with a kid and say, listen, I, I almost was writing my own suicide note. Like I, I was at that point. I know what it's like. How do you, I guess in that, in that sense, what I'm curious about is what are some things that I Invictus has created or is doing to help those kids in that moment uh, who, who may just even be looking for hope? I would say more than anything in that moment that something better is out there versus what they're feeling in the moment. And that, so Invictus, when I was trying to figure out like, what is my message and how does it defer? So I support all these other nonprofits that are in the same realm, like So Worth Loving, uh, To Write Love on Our Arms, Heart Support, all of them. Like I support them all because I believe the message is clear. But for Invictus, meaning in Latin, indomitable, it's from a, a Henley poem where basically the, the storm is controlling the individual, but at the end of the day, he understands the captain, the last uh, words of the poem are, I'm, I'm the captain of my soul, right? And um, giving that idea that try to, trying to empower these kids, because when you're in high school, so much is out of your control that, you know, my overreaching message to these, to, to students, as I share my, and I, and I 
I really don't try to share my story with them unless it's asked because my biggest thing is I want to show the kids that I can listen. Like I never, like, I feel like sometimes when I share my story that I'm making it about me and I don't want it to be that. If the kids ask me, why do I understand? Why, why am I so empathetic to them? Why am I so compassionate? then I'll share it to them. But otherwise what ends up happening most of the time is these kids approach me and tell me what they're going through. And we try to, we try to gauge of like their perception of life is so short because they're 16, 17 years of age. Those are the juniors I usually work with that they really don't understand what the potential and possibility is for, for the long term. And it's, it, it, and that can be overwhelming too. I mean, think about this for a second. Your whole life, you're told you can be anything you want to. And the older you get, you start to realize, like, I don't have these physical attributes or I may not be intellectually this. So you start to be like, the world is supposedly your oyster. Like, that's incredibly overwhelming for anybody to say. And then all of a sudden, like, you realize your, your shortcomings, as you do have, which makes you human. But at the same time, those shortcomings can make life so much more wonderful as you start to overcome those and start to achieve your goal. It's the paradox of life, as I call it. I mean, it's – and trying to instill that idea of hope, it's extremely difficult, but not until a kid's kind of kid or student starts or begins to see confidence in some shape, you know, they really won't have it. You know, so trying to get kids to be confident in something and kind of build that and let it snowball, I think that's imperative throughout your uh, own personal growth. One of the things you mentioned right there is, is, and I can't help but think about my experience as well, is at that age, everything that's happening is so much bigger because, like you said, your world is so much smaller. And, and today's may be different because social media and other things connect us more than ever. Uh, but at the same time, like your most embarrassing moment in high school, like you think the world has ended <laughs> and 10 yeah. years later, nobody, everybody's like, what? I don't, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. But in your head, it's there. But as we get older, it expands. I, when it seems like it's so end of the world moments yeah. and it's not to that extreme yet, how do you continually encourage those kids about the power of perspective? Uh, you're so right. Um, I'm writing something down right now because I totally agree. Um, so you said social media, and I know we want to place blame so much on, you know, where we find our value now. Do I find my value in likes and retweets? Uh, how many people are viewing such and such? And then also the kid's perspective, it may not be small anymore because they have access to all this information. But remember that information that they're viewing from is a, is a distorted lens. And sometimes those algorithms are feeding the same. It's that echo chamber we yep. talk about, right? You're, you're getting the same information over again, kind of reinforcing that idea, which is really dangerous. I remember like when 13 Reasons Why first came out that show on Netflix and that's yep. adaptation from a book. You know, I was talking to parents and parents are like, I'm not letting my kids see that. And I'm like, you know what? They probably already have. I said, if anything, that's your responsibility, not telling you how to be a parent, but you need to guide them through what they're seeing because their understanding of what that is, is not the same as yours. And you need to explain to them why. And that goes along with your perception comment, because, you know, we, when I actually have these individual, like truly mentorship kind of conversations with these kids, something we talk about is, okay, well, what do you want to do when you were five years old? 
Okay, what, why'd you want to do that? What'd you want to do when you're 10 years old? Why'd you want to do that? What'd you want to do when you're 15? And like I said, these kids, when they're five, they'll say like an astronaut. And when we're 15, they'll say something different. You know, and at the end of the day, when we're talking about college, whether that's for them or not, in something even further down the road, we kind of try to create some kind of roadmap that's based upon who they are in their value system and why they perceive that it's achievable or pertain or, uh, you know, applicable to who they are and their skill set. And the hard part to tell people, the hardest part is like some people, some kids want to do something that probably won't work out. And you're saying, okay, if that doesn't work out, then what though? You know, like, then what are you going to do? Because that's, that's a real conversation you need to have. Like, I wish all my kids who want to be engineers are going to go be engineers. That's not going to be the case, but it doesn't mean your life can't have value at all. Do you think, and I'm curious from your perspective, having been in it, because you have some, uh, you have a lot of the statistics here on your website, uh, about 11% of youth ages 12 to 17 report suffering from at least one major depressive episode. 64% of youth with major depression do not receive any mental health treatment. Suicide, we know, is the third leading cause of death for people 10 to 14 and second at 15 to 24. Do you think we as a society are struggling more with depression and mental illnesses and mental health issues now than we were, or are we just talking about it more now? I think it's that combination. It's the same aspect with why we talk about as educators, why autism and you know, special education numbers are going up, whether it's the aspect of testing or access to kids where that conversation is finally happening, which, which it's great. I mean, yay, we know the statistics, we know because more people are coming forward. So maybe that's a good thing yeah. to an extent. The other hard part of the conversation I had a lot of times is are, are we less hardened, so to speak? In other words, are we not preparing ourselves or our children for that matter for the realities of life? And, and, and this is a very controversial topic to discuss. It's a parent by parent basis because, you know, everybody has their understanding about like what their kids need. And I mean, like, as I like try to fathom, like I don't have kids myself. So sometimes a conversation can be difficult, but trying to tell a student when you're an infant, you cannot care for yourself at all. Zero zilch. Your parents are completely responsible for your well-being. And tell me how your parents 18 years later are supposed to just hit the ripcord and let you be, and you'd be fully prepared for the world. Like that path is, it's very, very difficult and it's hard because parents don't want to see their kids fail. You know, they don't want to see them struggle to an extent because it's an extension of who they are. And sometimes parents perceive their kid's success as their success as a parent. So if my kid's struggling, then, oh my God, I suck as a parent. And you know, it's, it's so hard to, to not let, I mean, I'm talking to a former, to an old friend of mine right now, to an extent who's going through it. And there's so much shame. There's so much shame. It's unnecessary. Um, but until he accepts that, he has a long road ahead of him. I mean, I think this conversation fits perfectly uh, for just a lot of the topics that we have on our Raising Competitors podcast, which is about the importance of you know, starting to have some of that weaning process, letting kids struggle in certain areas. Uh, because yeah, if you just pull the ripcord at 18 and all of a sudden that's the first time adversity strikes or they're ever put in a challenging situation, mentally they're very unprepared for that. Um, and then in the same time as parents, how do we make sure our identity isn't wrapped up in our kids' success? How can we continue to love and support them? But 
understand they're going to make their own decisions. So I, I appreciate you, you bringing that up. I know we, we've been going on and on about this and, and haven't even dove into ways how people can get connected to support the work you guys are doing at I Am Invictus, how they can get out, not only just sharing stories uh, of someone listening that maybe has gone through something similar as yourself, uh, but additionally support financially or get involved. What are some things that you guys are doing or how are some ways people can get involved that want to support the program? So initially uh, being a teacher, you know, provided me a lot of opportunities to speak to kids. Um, and I was holding speaking events and having other students, excuse me as I'm getting text messages uh, and having other students help in that process. And I think kind of the catalyst for the growth within I Am Invictus was me actually speaking to the senior class and moving forward. Uh, we built a website, uh, I Am Invictus for Depression. Uh, on that page, there is a donate page. I'm very reluctant right now, even though I have many people asking me, um, you know, hey, are you are you asking for money right now? What are you doing? And I said, actually, what I'm doing is I'm taking my merchandise right now, and I'm uh, taking donations for COVID-19. So if, if anybody gives me money, I donate directly back to COVID. Because uh, I, I, uh, while mental health is a big deal right now, I just think that, like, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy needs, I think COVID needs to be addressed first. Um, but, yes, visit, visiting the webpage, the donate, uh, donate, button is there. Uh, what that does is help me really fund events and then also be present at other events and also create merchandise. What I've realized is I was trying to raise money through merchandise, but really what merchandise does is it creates awareness. And that's if, when I have students walk around halls and they have Invictus shirts or keychains or stickers or anything like that. All I want is a conversation. If there's just a conversation, um, Hey, I'll give everything away. You know, I'll spend, I'll take $500 that I've raised. I'll make a hundred t-shirts and I'll give it away just if I can get a conversation to be started by like, Hey, what does this mean? Uh, where can I find support? Because within the website, it's very localized. Don't get me wrong because I believe it's important to start the community level. Uh, there's, um, grace to change, which is a drug and alcohol aspect for teens and youth because those two aspects are usually synonymous with another. Uh, there's different, uh, like I said, guided readings, uh, different therapy places, and so on. And I'm really trying to get the conversation started because, like your friend uh, Tara from yep. Poland, it's sheltering, excuse me, shattering stigmas, and that's really kind of the foundation of my idea. I love it. Well, and one of the things uh, that you mentioned earlier that I, I 100% agree in terms of, of merchandise and having been someone that's been in the apparel and merchandise space for going on a decade. That's one thing I think Tawala did really well is that when you see Tawala on a shirt, it's a really beautiful art, but people have no idea what it means. It's a mm -hmm. conversation starter. What does that mean? Tell me about that. And that creates openings. And that's really what you want more than anything, especially when you when you have something you believe in, when there's a cause, when there's something important, you want to create something that creates a conversation because yelling at people and pointing and pushing messages rarely works as much as a conversation and an invitation to just chat. Uh, so I definitely commend you on, on that approach, especially with a topic as sensitive as this, as one that a lot of people don't want to get out. Um, 
And so, yeah, I, I really commend you on that. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I hope for the people listening, they find a way to get involved. They support the organization. Uh, they've heard me mention it time and time again about life is worth competing for. And, and you guys are one of the groups that I feel is very important because you keep helping people that may be questioning that phrase, questioning that truth uh, and helping them continue to find hope and, and see that as well as grow. Uh, dude, where's the best place for people listening today to follow you, to follow your work on social media, uh, to learn a little bit more? We've got your website uh, at I'minvictus4depression.com that we've got linked in the show notes. But what about you if they want to follow along some of your work? It's all my stuff in my college realm of what 15 years ago has followed me. So everything is C Bado, B A D O 23. And that's either at Twitter or Instagram. And, you know, like I try. I try not to inundate people with like motivational quotes throughout the day. I just try to be as real and honest as I can as possible. Um, just to let others know that I'm just like them. I have my battles. I struggle. I'm not trying to be something I'm not. Love it, man. I love it. Well, we're linking to that in the profile. We're linking to your website as well. Colin, thank you incredibly for having some time today to hang out. No, thank you so much for having me and best of luck to you and uh, good luck over the next couple of months, brother. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with me or the show, email us at podcast at competeeveryday.com. To join our free Facebook community and get connected with other ambitious leaders working to win their work, their workouts, and their life, be sure to visit us at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day. Until the next episode, keep competing every single day because your life is worth it.